the first sequel to be part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and the second straight disappointment. After our incredible start to the MCU experience with Iron Man, quality took a huge step back with the Incredible Hulk follow-up. Stakes were a bit higher with Iron Man 2. One bad movie out of three is The Fluke. If there are two bad movies, the good one's The Fluke then, right? Of course, the ship was righted in the coming years. We were only two years away from our first team-up, the Avengers, that changed the way cinema was handled. Iron Man 2 had two great villains played by two great actors. It probably had the best action sequences of the first four movies. Tony Stark was on fire. We get a little more Avengers lead-up. Overall, it has good surface-level appeal. So why am I bashing it right now? Simple. It didn't need to exist. The entire storyline was MacGuffin. The plot revolved around Tony being poisoned by the very thing that's saving him, a plotline that always felt forced. There wasn't any development. In fact, our title character definitely backslid after the incredible story of character growth we'd seen in Iron Man. The whole point of this movie was to get us to the final scene, Fury and Stark talking about the Avengers initiative. But. Couldn't that have been assumed in the post credit scene of the first movie? Couldn't we just go straight from Iron Man to Avengers? Was anything gained from this movie? Realistically, no. Thanks again for listening to The Wrong Opinion MCU Rewatch with Jay Clark. This is Jay Clark and I got Josh. Say hi, Josh. Hi, sorry. My, uh, they cut out for a second. Okay. I turned off my Wi-Fi because it's crappy, and then there's just a second, uh, just a glitch for a second. All right, Josh is still learning how to use technology, although I can't say anything because this is our second time recording this episode. Because yesterday I forgot to press record. We're talking about Iron Man two. Josh, what are your couple opinions on Iron Man two? Iron Man two. Well, to start off, I didn't hate the movie um, as much as a lot of other people did. Uh, I know some people are pretty critical of it. I thought it was a I thought it was a fun movie. I think I said this up top with the bad guys. They have two of the best bad guys in the MCU. One is just completely a badass, and then one is like the polar opposite of Iron Man of Tony Stark. So having those two guys in the same episode or in the same movie, I thought it was really smart and really cool, and just they were really well thought out. But there's not much of a plot. It doesn't really make sense. It doesn't really need to exist, and the writing leaves a lot to be desired. But the action scenes too. We love the action scenes. You agree? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll oh, yeah. get into it later, but I loved it. So you are the guest. You can give out the first award of the night. Okay, well, I think you know you know where I'm going with this one. I'm going to give out the I Am Iron Man Award for best single line. The line that wins this award quotes as follows. If there's one thing you can expect me, it's that I will always pleasure myself. I will always pleasure myself. Words by Tony Stark, savior of the universe. I love it. I didn't even have that. Best, for... best line in the movie. <laughs> I should. I didn't have that at all. I should have had that. That one of the funniest moment honorable mentions because that is such a hilarious line. And he just like kind of utters it as as for those who haven't rewatched it, which you should have done because this is an MCU rewatch. It's as he's exiting the uh, the Senate hearing. He just kind of shouts it out towards the end. Well, I was, I was just going to say, that's why I love the line. I love those, you know, jokes that are just thrown in there, like super abrupt and you, you're not expecting it. That's why I love that line so much. 
great John Favreau timing. That's something I'm going to talk about too. I have it in my in my extra notes. But Favreau, who wrote this and wrote Iron Man, basically created the MCU. He he was like at war basically with Marvel during creation of this because they kept wanting him to do rewrites, and he hated it so much that he ne- never came back. So I hate that that he basically created the MCU and then never worked on it again after this movie because he had such a bad experience. But he still got some of that Favreau flavor with lines like that. I have for I am Iron Man award for best single line. Uh, the line, I have successfully privatized world peace. The most Tony Stark line I've heard in my entire life. I love it. He should be saying that in every single movie. And oh, then, yeah. Uh, another one, Banco says this. If you can make God bleed, people will cease to believe in him. And then what follows a little bit more there. It's a good line and probably like the coolest line of the movie. But it just doesn't make sense there. Because he just got his butt whooped by Tony Stark. And he's like, I just made God bleed. Like, no, you just got wrecked, bro. You did not make him <laughs> right? bleed. Right. And that's what we're getting back to with like <laughs> the the two best lines, whether it's I have successfully privatized world peace or I will pleasure myself. That's about it. There's not really a lot of other options because it's not a well-written movie with all that. That's what I'm looking for. Executive interference. I'm going to pick the Eternals Award for could this have been a limited series? I'm going to say no. They barely had enough content for one movie. Like, it would have been slow paced. It would have been boring. The one thing that saves this movie is the action sequences. Having to wait three episodes to see one, that would have sucked. And uh, oh, yeah. I, mentioned this, I mentioned this with BJ on the Iron Man on the first podcast. That that movie would have been a great limited series. It would have just been following him going through the little uh, dossier that he got from, from Pepper. And like going back to get all of his destroy all of his uh his his weapons that have fallen into the wrong hands that would have been a cool series but this no not a good series what do you think I um I agree I I don't think there's a ton you could do with this um as is however I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna take the next question and answer your question so I'm gonna kill two words on stone here do it I'm gonna go to the missed opportunities. And I think that – so I'm going to connect this with the limited series question. Okay. And that I think I think if they if they wanted to, I think it would have been really, really cool to develop Hammer as a larger-scale villain through a limited series. I think that that would have been awesome. Because I think – I think I mean, we we'll, – I'm sure we'll talk about it later. But the way that they used Hammer as – as a villain, even though realistically he wasn't a villain until the end of the movie, he was yeah. just a he was a, a, a sleazy businessman. You know, yeah, he was Iron Man I, in the I, first movie. He was Tony Stark three years earlier, actually seven exactly. months earlier. Exactly, and I think it would have been really cool if if they were to make a limited series. I think it would have been a really cool opportunity to watch him develop in prison as an actual villain, Iron Man esque. You know, where he's using very limited resources to make incredible weapons or what have you, and then be almost an anti-Iron Man. I think that would have been really cool. Yes, I agree. I said this last time. For Miss Opportunities, I said the same thing, not bringing Hammer back. I thought you could have had like a a small piece in a movie like Age of Ultron, just as some big bad behind the scenes for two minutes that gets busted by the Avengers, goes to jail, we'll never see him again. I would have loved to see that just him talk to Stark again for five minutes. But what you just said was genius. And I loved it. 
because if if this movie came out now there probably would be a limited series that involves him as the big bad guy the kind of like fisk in in hawkeye where he comes in like five episodes deep it's building up to him it's like who's this who's this big bad guy or i definitely thought it was me dr doom instead of sharon carter in a <laughs> winter soldier that kind of build up where you build up to the big bad and then ends up being justin hammer i would have loved to see that and it's still in the cards we just saw Abomination in, in She-Hulk. Well, I haven't because I haven't seen She-Hulk. Oh, shame on me. This is a rewatch, not a not a current watch, so I'm fine. You haven't seen She-Hulk yet? I have not. Oh man, honestly, you're not missing much. <laughs> I missed uh, Megan Thee Stallion twerking. Apparently, yeah, it was weird. Yeah, <laughs> you have no comment other than that was weird. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> There's nothing more to say. Uh, we're gonna do. <laughs> let's see. Best and worst of the exposition scenes. The first exposition scene, bringing in, like, explaining who Vanko is and who his dad was at the beginning. That was your classic, lame, boring, 2000s musical montage over the opening credits. I've never been a fan of those, the opening credit montage exposition scenes. Like, we barely understand who this guy is. And then Jarvis explains it all in, in Tony's workstation for, you know, 20 seconds. Honestly, if we just got rid of that, started with, the, the beginning of the movie would be Tony flying in to ACDC. That would have been way better. Then our first impression of Vanko is at the race. It would have been way more mysterious, way more impressive. It's like, who is this guy? Because that was kind of a cool part of Iron Man was that we didn't know who the bad guy was or who it was going to be until halfway through the movie. Like we, we thought that the big bad guy was going to be, uh, what's his name, the guy that got his face blown off in Iron Man. And then yep. it ended up being Stane. In this movie, it's like, oh, there's no bad guy yet, but he's getting poisoned. Oh, okay, he's got giant laser arms or whips, whiplash thingies. You, you guys can't see my motions on the uh, on the podcast. I'm doing incredible whiplash motions. Um, but I thought that would have been way more way more interesting. What do you think about the Because ex- really, there weren't many other exposition scenes other than the Banco backstory. No, there really weren't. Um, I That's not something that I had originally thought of when I was thinking of the answers to these questions. But the way you explained it, I think that would have been such a cool intro just because of the way the first time you see Whiplash, you know, he's upside down and he's walking and he's, he just cut a car in half that it, it is just so incredibly like, it's just so awesome. It that that so would have cool. been such an amazing intro for the, the, the villain. That's one thing I'm going to say about this movie too. It's a great like frat bro movie. If you're just watching the movie with the boys. It's like, that was cool. That was cool. Like, it's not well-written. The plot's nothing to write home about, but there's a lot of cool stuff to see. And that's one yeah. great thing about this movie. All right, you are up, right? I am up. And I'm going to go with poorly aged CGI. Mm. And I'm kind of going to go on. I'm kind of going to uh, not answer the question. And I'm going to say that I really enjoyed the CGI in this movie. I think I think this this was before Marvel had gotten, you know, as of late, Marvel's kind of been getting criticism for their quantity over quality um, when it comes to their productions as of late. And I'm not one who necessarily uh, sympathizes with that argument as much. Um, but I do think that this movie, they really, really did a, a really good job with their fight scenes because you can you can tell that it's a mix of CGI and, you know, a little like bit more real effects. Yeah. 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 More practical effects. And I, 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 I don't know. I love that. That That's another reason why, you know, I love Christopher Nolan movies, but that's because yeah, he thing. does fully like as much uh, practical as he can. And that's something that I think maybe that's on Favreau. Maybe that's just the time they were in. Cause this was post 
Avatar when CGI really caught up to what we were looking for. Not in that, you know, mid 2000s Scorpion King, uh, Star Wars prequels vibe, but like CGI was better and you could do stuff with it, but people are still using practical effects. And this fell right yeah. in that. Yeah, it was, it, was, really, really good. it was more, yeah, CGI in this movie is more of a, a tool to kind of enhance as, as opposed to really driving everything about the movie. Yeah, like Iron Man looked good, the drones looked good, the fights looked good, War Machine looked good, there's no floating heads. The one thing that looked a little bit weird was when he, that's the only thing I put down, was when he put the arc reactor in with the new element and then it glue really bright. Like, like, that's that's picking nuts. That's, that's barely anything. One thing you can say about this movie, great CGI. Great CGI, great bad guys, great fight scenes. All right, I'm going to go with the uh, Ragnarok Award for characters, cinematic peak. Not a lot of peaks in this movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I think you might push back on this, but I think Tony rests a lot. Like he had all that growth in the first movie, and then he just collapsed back into that, you know, slutty, arrogant, cocky Tony. And the reasoning was sloppy. Like, oh, he's about to die. But like, what about the growth we just saw in the last movie? Black Widow, no peak there. Like she had a cool entrance, but the movie tried way too hard to remind us that Scarlett Johansson is hot, and that's basically her whole purpose there. And I didn't. That wasn't fun to watch. Uh, well, sometimes it was fun, if you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> Kelsey's uh, giving you a stink eye. Yeah, she's giving me the stink eye. She's listening to me. Uh, I think though, definitely this is Pepper's peak. She shows her brain tear more than just the damsel in distress that needs to be saved. In the next movie, she regresses a little bit. She becomes, again, the scared girlfriend. She checks out the bad guy because, you know, that's what girls do, apparently. Um, and then after that, it's like she's got a line every movie. But she, I think she peaks here. You any argument other than Pepper? Uh, I do. Um, I'm actually going to move on to the next question, though. And I'm going to say what age is the best. Um, and I think really what age is the best here is Tony. Um, you said you thought he regressed because um, we, you know, we saw that. Uh, emotional growth from him and that front in the first movie obviously and then he takes a step back and he's kind of in that playboy mode again but I love that Tony you know I think when I think of Tony Stark you know I think of the classic line the, the creator of comics tried to make a guy that nobody should like and force them to like it and that's Stanley really what, about Stanley yeah Stanley I was Stanley's name well I I wasn't entirely sure if he was actually the creator of Iron Man or just MCU in general I was no, getting confused. Yeah, he didn't necessarily create the MCU. That was mostly on Kevin Feige, but uh, well, I mean, like the, it, the he created Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, X-Men, Iron Man. Those are the big ones, and then several others. Obviously, the only really main one he didn't create, I think, was Captain America, and I don't think he did Thor either. Yeah, see, I knew he didn't create Captain America, and that's what tripped me up. Yeah, but but either either way, Stanley, you know, when when he created Thor, there's that the classic line that. Or not, not Thor. When uh, when Stanley created yeah, what movie talking about? When uh, Stanley created Iron Man, there's that that classic line. You know, he, he wanted to make somebody or create somebody that everybody should hate and force them to love him. And I think that's really what we see in this movie. We see a, a cocky, narcissistic, playboy kind of guy, but he's also struggling with his anxiety. And you see him, you know, wanting to be better and wanting to grow personally and and you see that loving caring side of him but it's just who he is sometimes contradicts that and you see him kind of work through that and i i absolutely love that and that really i think ages really well as we move into um iron man 3 especially 
and then into some of the later Avengers movies uh, where you see more and more of that personal growth every single movie. I really, really love that. Okay. Okay. I'll accept. Uh, for what age is the best? I put Tony, Tony Stark, the engineer, watching him tinker and work in the basement. We don't see that a lot in later movies. But we get to see that here a little bit. And obviously we spent the whole first movie watching that. And I love seeing that stuff. And then what age is the worst? I've got two things. Number one, Tony's sexual harassment. What seems to be issues when Pepper kind of slyly mentions that would be an expensive sexual harassment case. That doesn't age very well. Post Me Too. I don't think that would fly now. Like having a superhero that kids look up to, having that be an issue. More, uh, less, less importantly, <laughs> uh, the fact that nobody can match his tech. That doesn't age very well in this day and age of MCU. Like we've seen a lot of better tech than lame drones. Like yeah, three and years I'm, after after Iron Man two. Yeah, and they, you know, I guess it was the whole kind of the plot of the movie was that they did match his tech, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's one guy that can match his tech. That's fair. What ages poorly? Well, honestly, the villains. Um, they were they were really great villains in this movie, but. I'm just sad we didn't see anything come from it later down the road. Yeah, so they age well, but then they just never got to prosper. Seeds weren't planted. Yeah, they were they were good, but they didn't. Okay, they they didn't develop into future movies, which yeah. is something that I guess at that point in time they really weren't expecting. You know, yeah. seven hundred movies and four thousand superheroes. Yeah, but like you was, know, by this movie, you know that they're going for a larger universe. Like, especially with the post-credit scene with Thor, but they, I guarantee they didn't imagine it was going to be like what it turned into. Yeah, yeah. All right, we're gonna go with the, with the Captain Marvel award for the character that inexplicably didn't help save the world. So number one, there's not a lot of world in danger in this movie, and there's not a lot of superheroes either. But the one characters, a group of characters that do have. So at the race, Tony Iron Man is wrapped up in the in Whiplash's whips, getting zapped by Vanko at the race. And the cops, like after he wins, after Tony wins, beats him up, the cops rush in and like, hey, you're under arrest now. But like Vanko was clearly distracted. He wasn't looking at anywhere else except for Tony. He's got no helmet, no chest pad, no nothing. The cops could have just shot him in the head. They could have helped him out. Just, you know, cops in superhero movies do absolutely nothing. His, his burb is holding them hostage. His what? His bird. His bird. Yeah, he was, the bird was flying around distracting him. That's that was his secret, his secret weapon. Yep, that's why I think you wanted it so bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's hilarious. Actually, that's that might be for answers to questions that don't need to be asked. Did he use the bird as a secret accomplice, and that's why he wanted it when he went to America? Exactly. Did he ever get his bird? So you can just cut that one out. Or not. Make me look like an idiot. Whatever you want. Did the bird teach him English? Who knows? Did his dad give him the bird? How old was the bird? Because those birds can be really old. Was the bird a childhood present from his dad and that's why he wanted it? Who knows? That's what, are those all your answers to questions that don't, don't need to be asked? Yep. <laughs> okay. That was that was a barrage of bird-related questions. Mm. Um, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a sidetrack real quick. Sidetrack. Do you, do you get? We're, we're talking about the Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel award, and you mentioned something 
about this movie, how there's no really world-ending threat. Do you get tired of world-ending threats? I in- so get tired. That was the problem, I think, with Phase 4. Every single movie, it's like, hey, the world, the universe, we're all going to die. It's like, exactly. stop caring after a little bit. Like, yeah, right? Like that, like, that was, I think, the good part of Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. Like, yeah, I guess, theoretically, the two universes are, are in danger. But really, it's just about the girl. It's just, we're trying to save this girl's life. And that's that's how you you do. Uh, there's two ways I think to do some kind of world ending event. It's either one life against the universe, and you got to figure out how to save both. Because then it's basically just trying to save the life. That's what it's about, and that's small stakes. Um, or you have to build up to it, like you did with Infinity War and Endgame. Uh, yeah. Outside of that, like Thor: The Dark World, it's like I don't know who these characters are, but apparently they can destroy my planet. That's okay, whatever. Yeah, and I don't know. I I I get so tired of every every movie is or maybe not every movie but there every movie like you said is is a world ending threat and you know at some point you got to realize or you got to ask the question you know where are all the other superheroes you know if these truly are world ending threats why are the avengers not assembling in every single movie you know i i enjoy the movies where they're like this one where it's a smaller villain just going after this particular superhero or in a particular neighborhood like spider-man uh mm-hmm. the, the original spider-man with vulture loved that movie mm-hmm. loved that villain small that villain was, like is... if the villain wins and it's not a big deal in the grand scheme of things i think that's a great story exactly and that that's that is why that movie um that the first spider-man movie is one of my favorite favorite Marvel movies all right we just finished uh i guess we covered answers to questions also and then we covered captain marvel is it your pick or my pick I think I accidentally did two in a row. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we hop around sometimes. It's cool. Uh, I'm going to go with then the most frustrating MacGuffin. First of all, this entire movie is a freaking MacGuffin. Like, it only exists to get us closer to Avengers. And you totally could have just taken out this movie and it doesn't matter. And I'll talk about that when we get to the, can you skip this movie? Um, spoiler, yes, you can skip this movie. All it does is just kind of further relationships and get us closer to Avengers and it's the definition of a MacGuffin film which I think the MCU created uh, but half yeah. the plot of this movie itself is about his poison chest it's not interesting it doesn't set up future movies it doesn't change anything about the movie you can completely edit out the scenes of his poison chest and it would have the same plot it literally right. it's only point the only point is to show that he's breaking down mentally and emotionally but they could have just used the fact that he's a superhero for the first time he's fighting terrorists and he, he like that could be a great reason to have crazy anxiety you don't have to poison him not to mention iron man 3 is completely disregards everything about his poison chest like bro he could have said surgery this whole time like why not have to watch this movie you know what i mean yeah yep i would agree yeah any other mcguffins i think that's i, I can't really think of another mcguffin in this film no, my my main MacGuffin was the the poison chest. I thought it was, I thought it was silly. I thought, uh, really, I think the movie just could have been better had they taken that out and added more content, more interesting content. I think really the movie could have been just higher quality. Yeah, maybe just even start it with him talking to Fury, and that's that's what the plot is. Like, am I gonna be Avenger? Am I not? Um, lose my mind. I'm gonna get drunk now. Rhodey, help me. Uh, your pick. We've got fight scenes. We've got Age of Ultron award. We've got Taika Waititi award and the Hawkeye award. Age of Ultron. 
Age of Ultron Award. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go with cheesiest fight scene. I think that the cheesiest fight scene is definitely the the fight scene between uh, Rhodey and Tony and Ivan at the end, where Ooh. where I mean it's a it's a really cool fight scene. It's a, it's a cool fight scene, but the way they ended it by just shooting each other in the hand, like shooting each other's hands at him, that's so dumb. Like they could have gotten so much more creative with it. Like I I get that it's you know going back to an earlier part of the movie. But they could have done that in a more interesting way because realistically, they're pointing their hands at each other. They could have just shot him in the head with their. Yeah, hands. they're aiming. Just move your hand two inches to the right, and you can blast them. Not to mention, why doesn't Banco like react? Like, hey, right. they're doing something. I should do something right now to to deflect it. Right. Uh, yeah, that was that didn't make any sense. I did like the 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 lead up to that. Them fighting on the bad guys. Like, I don't think we see that enough in movies anymore. In in Marvel movies of just like wasting henchmen like i love seeing that it's like playing a video game you know just like hey blast 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 this guy dies one shot dead like i love seeing that for a couple minutes in movies so that part was cool i agree though the ending to that fight super dumb didn't make sense i think roadie versus stark was lame i think you disagree but every punch they have like a little ding sound like it's a bell and the music they played (laughs) it didn't make it seem serious at all like it was just two kids fighting over a toy and then Stark screams at his guests because it's what cool or what? <laughs> no, I don't, what was the point of that? I don't, I don't get that at all. Yeah, that it was, was basically just like dehumanizing the superhero, or de- not even dehumanizing. De- it's just making it unattractive and weird and cringy. I didn't like that. Yeah, that that scream was like just so weird in so many ways. I would disagree on that fight scene. I thought that fight scene was pretty cool. Um, not that it was fantastic i just think it's funny and fun to watch when two guys go toe-to-toe literally you know like two old guys who just stand there and beat each other in the head i thought that was kind of cool funny to watch between uh tony and Rhodes, where they just punched each other and sounds like a cowbell <laughs> yeah i do Plus, also like they to... actually had a cowbell in the studio making that sound <laughs> they probably did that so they do sounds in movies they do they just like stuff like cowbells or do like uh, they, they break hay for, to make sounds of, of creatures crawling. But the way that they explained why Rhodey had the suit, it was just a throwaway line with Black Widow and, uh, and Tony in the donut shop where she says, aren't there contingencies to keep unwanted people out of these suits? And it's like, oh, okay, so he let Rhodey take the suit because he wants to die and, or he knows he's going to die and wants to pass on the suit. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, that was um, interesting. Yes, yeah. that's cool. And then swinging off from cheesiest, so let's go to best fight scene because this movie does have a lot of cool fight scenes. Uh, I'm gonna go with. Oh well, I just said most of the fights are really good. That's starting off obvious. Uh, so Tony's car gets sliced in half right after we see Mickey Rourke just walk into traffic and his clothes just burning off with his suit underneath. It just sets up a great, great little fight. Uh, it sets up the character really, really well. And it also introduces the new method of getting suits on. Because until now, we've just seen Tony put on a suit in his basement where, you know, click, 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 click. But now with the box, that was, watching that in theaters was really cool because we didn't know what the box was for. I guess you probably could assume, but I was, what, 12 years old? I wasn't making a lot of assumptions at that point. Kids are stupid. But he's, he's got the box. We don't know what it's for. And then he steps into it and it's like, oh, shoot. This is going to be cool. Just that new method of... of 
putting his suits on, and then it goes farther and farther from there. Yeah, that was by far the best fight scene in the movie. Besides the, well, I don't know if it's besides, but it it included, you know, the common meme where uh, Ivan was just sitting there watching as Tony's putting putting on a suit, and it took him like 10, 20 seconds to put on a suit. Yeah. <laughs> I just always think that's funny. Uh, one but, thing I... The, just one thing we often see in superhero movies, like, why does Mickey, why does Vanko have, like, super strength? Like, he got blasted in the head by Tony's, he had some kind of rubble or something, just whack him in the head. That, for some reason, didn't knock him out. And then Happy crashed into him, crashed into him with his car, like, seven times, back and forth and back and forth. But his legs still work? That doesn't make any sense. I always think about that when I watch Spider-Man 2, when Spider-Man, who has super strength, is decking a middle-aged scientist in the face who doesn't have any superpowers other than his tentacles and for some reason doesn't kill him. Do you think that's right. always weird? That's, yeah. that's the I, one reason I, that Spider-Man 2 is flawed, and you see that here, too. That's just a, a common theme where people who don't have super strength for some reason can take a huge punch. Yeah, I very commonly think things along that line. I try to not go too far into it because I think you know, in this my is head, a freaking superhero like, movie, yeah. As going back to what you were saying about um, this this movie and how you don't how you didn't understand how Ivan suddenly got super super strength. I think that all the time about Tony, like how strong would the hydraulics in his suit have to be, or whatever technology in his suit, how strong would that have to be for him to just push aside a car with one foot, like it's a piece of butter on a warm table. Yeah, it's like it's almost like he's not even wearing a suit. It's like just a robot that he's controlling on the inside. That's how right. I have to think of it. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense how he can lift stuff. Like his body's and still the, taking that pressure, right? And it doesn't really make any sense, right? And like, although I don't know about technology, so and like he's argument. flying around all day with that pressure on his feet. His feet probably got to get sore. He's got to have some good insoles in there. He's got to have some knee problems too. Yeah, and middle-aged man. And another thing. Is that screen must be like so close to his eyes for him to see? Like, how does that even work? You know what I mean? Because just it's in like, general, the Iron Man suit—it's very, it's not realistic. I don't think it could ever happen. No. No. I was going. I was going to say, you know, the Iron Man suit is not realistic because it's so small. The Iron Monger suit is more realistic because you got more space in there for a person. But then yeah. in the iron in the iron monger, you would never be able to bend your arms. Cause you see you see him in that suit and his arm, like where the shoulder socket is, that's like halfway through his uh humerus. Like you yeah, like his arm, arm his hands probably don't reach the elbows. Like he's probably just controlling stuff on the inside, like with a joystick or something. He's not even using his hands. Um let's go uh with the uh Taika Waititi award for the funniest moment. Uh, there's a couple just throwaway lines that I liked. Sir, I'm going to have to ask you to exit the donut. Classic Sammy Jackson. Classic line. Classic. Uh, Stark freaking out about the desk ornaments. The thing that's spinning around and he tries to stop it. That's that's all of us when we see one of those freaking monstrosities. Um, but the, 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 the funniest scene in the entire movie, right before the race, the Stark-Hammer interaction is amazing. There are not... Sam Rockwell and RDJ need way more scenes together in this movie. Uh, just that casting is great. He, Rockwell or, or Hammer, he just gets owned conversationally. Like, 
Uh, Stark just says, as he's walking up, here's my least favorite person in the world. And then yeah. as Christine's trying to record Tony, he's Hammer just kind of waves her away, like, put, put, put that away, put that away, just awkwardly. And then when, uh, when Stark mocks his canceled, uh, canceled contract, he's like, we kid, we're kidders, as if he's in on too. And yeah. then it ends with Christine getting distracted mid-interview by Stark getting in the car on the TV behind behind them. Stark literally points at the camera as Justin Hammer looks at it as if he's pointing at him. It's just an amazing sequence all around, and I wish we had more of those two together. Yeah, Sam Rockwell, in that movie, he did such a good job at being a freaking weirdo. You know what I mean? Like, just trying, trying to be like Stark, but somehow being so robotic and awkward about it (laughs) yeah like he just he did an amazing job in that role and i i loved it love it the great little yin yang there even like when like just anytime he tries to have a cool line in front of a crowd and then he gets like two claps that happened twice throughout the movie i I, those were so funny second funniest honorable mention for funniest moment taika ytt award when first of all early on when when happy gets wrecked by uh, black widow who we know as natalie rushman or whatever it's so unexpected on the first viewing like obviously if you're a comic book watcher or close eyes you're definitely looking back you know that's mean black widow but before that it's just some cute little girl and then at the end when happy is stoked after taking out one dude and he turns and says i got him <laughs> right and then it's just like eight guys just dangling sprawled across the floor that. that was amazing i love john favreau i love john favreau he made a uh, made daredevil watchable you got any other type of ytt awards obviously the senate scene that's uh, just the, uh, the in general i mean that's for for similar reasons as the uh restaurant scene that scene is just amazing in so many ways it was well hawkeye award i put howard talking to tony from the past that was like the closest thing i could find to an inspiring moment i think that just, okay yeah fair Fair yeah, point. it wasn't a very inspired movie. Another issue with this movie is they didn't have those random M- MCU inspiring moments, like vaguely inspiring. There's nothing yeah. at all in that. And that was the closest thing. So that's fair. Not a really good answer for that one. But yeah. the Age of Ultron award for. Oh. Well, I was just, just going to say, uh, connecting that to current Marvel movies, this is a spoiler if you haven't seen the new Thor. First of all, you're behind the eight ball, so go watch it. But second, but that's what I really didn't like about that movie i'm sure you'll go into it you know in five years when you get to that movie but (laughs) like 27 um, weeks away right now (laughs) that's insane that is insane Um, no that's that's what i really didn't like about that movie is that was my like or the name of the character cinematic peak is ragnarok the ragnarok award and that's what thor did so well in ragnarok was he had the, the funny thor mixed in with the random serious thor who is oddly inspiring at moments and but there was none of that. There wasn't a ton of that in this movie, and there was none of that in that new Thor. That's why. That's why I did not. I again, I I put that on the same level as this movie. It's a, it was a fun movie to watch. Not at all in my top half of movies. Yeah, no, top two thirds. No, uh, for Age of Ultron award for this was way cooler after seeing this after seeing the next five movies. This is basically the uh, cool callback awards. When Tony says, it's you, it's always been you, when he promotes Pepper to CEO, that's like, it's just a tiny little callback. But after watching Endgame, after watching Endgame, that was just a fantastic, albeit tiny little callback. I absolutely love it. 
you don't remember, uh, Tony says that to the recording on his helmet as he's floating off, you know, drearily into space uh, to Pepper. And I, when I first, when, when Endgame was about to come out, I went through all of the, the movies again to get ready for it. Uh, and then that line was in the trailer and I was like, oh my God, that was so, that was a great little callback. And then when Coulson got excited about the Captain America shield, that gets better once we know that he had a huge man crush on Captain America and Avengers. Uh, those are my two Age of Ultron awards. Yeah, I caught the the Coulson one. I didn't catch the uh, "It's You, It's Always Been You." That's a that's really that's really neat. Actually, I'm not. Even, I left out a, a, a obvious one, but when he's talking to, I think he's talking to Fury at the end, um, saying, "You know, you're not an Avenger, or whatever." They have like the the map of all the spots where like hot spots. Uh, it's got Wakanda on there. It's got a few other interesting places like one's in the middle of the ocean that's obviously namor that was more that was less of a age of ultron war more just a kind of uh easter egg at the time because they didn't know they were coming out with black panther in eight years but yeah that was pretty cool too namor uh, what's namor you don't know namor oh man that's this is the weirdest part of mcu culture like at one point Maisie didn't know who reed richards was but she knew moon knight that just blows <laughs> my mind like ah the namor the submariner he's one of the og uh comics in like the 1930s he's aquaman but wears less pants he had a thing for uh for sue storm he's got i think he's gonna be in the new black panther which comes out in four months two months i can't do math i think two months a little less than two months uh and now lastly we're gonna go pick a knit now i have already done that relentlessly to this movie this movie did not need to exist. Its entire existence is a MacGuffin. I have no more nits to pick. Do you have any little plot holes or I, I can't honestly I can't think of a big plot hole in this movie. Just the fact no, that it exists is a hole in my in my heart. Yeah, I don't think that there are really any plot holes per se, but like you said, the movie really it doesn't need to exist. I don't I mean I, I really got into nitpicking earlier, so I don't think I'm gonna do it again. I agree with you. The, the knit to pick is that it exists. Yeah, that's a pretty big knit, and every other knit really just supports that. <laughs> now it's time for... <laughs> useless trivia. Give me a beat, Josh. Useless <laughs> trivia. All right, so Tony says in the hearing that he would accept the Secretary of Defense position. That is a position he held in the comics. Hammer's Factory, where he works with Banco... That was Elon Musk's factory in real life, who makes a quick appearance. So Elon Musk appeared in a superhero movie before Captain America did. That's kind of crazy. Question. Do you think we're going to have Tesla human bots? I have said this. I don't know if you know. You know Dan Crow. I've said this to him all the time. I definitely think Elon Musk has tried to make an Iron Man suit, and it's probably failed miserably. I think he's way more Justin Hammer than Tony Stark. And then there's a, a photo of Ivan Bengo getting arrested some point during the movie. That's an actual photo of Mickey Rourke getting arrested when he was younger. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Now, the big question of the night. Can you skip Iron Man 2 in your MCU rewatch? I'll give you a first answer. Okay, first answer. Yes, but why would you? If you are just trying to watch only the essentials so that you can understand the next movie yes you can 100% skip it but realistically if you're rewatching the MCU 
or if you're watching the MCU from the beginning and you really want to kind of get into some of that character development of Tony that I liked, you disagreed with me, but in my opinion, I think that um, it does offer some character development for Tony. And I, th- I think it's a fun movie. So if, if you have the time, watch it, but you don't need to, uh, to understand later movies. Yes. All two of my avid listeners know this because I say this every episode, but I think I've got a theory that you, it, it's like when Endgame came out in 2019, if you're taking a girl on a first date to see Endgame, how many movies do you tell her she needs to watch to understand what's going on? This is not on that list at all. Like you can definitely go from the post credit scene in Iron Man all the way to Avengers and not miss any Tony Stark plot line. It's got fun fight scenes, so worthwhile to watch just because it's enjoyable, it's fun, you know, grab a beer, just that kind of movie. But ultimately, it's a world-building movie. It existed to further the relationship between Stark and Fury. That's number one. Number two, get Pepper and Stark together because they weren't together at the end of Iron Man and they wanted to be together by Avengers. Uh, show War Machine in armor for the first time. That was an important part of this movie. And then bringing in Black Widow, all of which could have been assumed off-screen between Iron Man and Avengers. None of that, it, it just didn't need to be a movie. Yeah. Agreed. And all of those, all of those could have been done, like even if they had to be done on screen, there were relatively small points and could have been done easily through any other movie. Yeah, I agree. I think definitely the uh I think the only one that you can't really do off screen is showing War Machine in armor. That needs to be in a movie, but that could have been. Also, where was he in Avengers? Questions we'll answer in two weeks. Uh but where does it rank? We've got the four levels. Two weeks away. Three weeks, I guess. I've got uh, BJ with Captain America next week, and then Ricky with, or no, BJ with Thor, Ricky with Captain America, and then I don't know what I'm doing for Avengers. Uh, where does it rank? We've got the four levels of Pantheon, Awesome, Dig It, or Skippable. Where do you have it? I've got it in Dig It. I think it's a fun movie. Um, my Skippable is like Black Widow, like movies that I thought just completely sucked and you shouldn't even watch because they were so bad. Um, a lot of people all like to argue with me about that, but I did not like that movie. Uh, but I, th- I thought it was, you know, it's a fun movie, good action, but probably don't need to watch it. I have skippable. It doesn't need to be watched. It's one of the worst three movies, honestly. I think I only have three movies that are on my absolutely skippable list. The only reason it doesn't rank dead last after three movies is because the fight scenes were dope. That's the one thing that puts it above the Incredible Hulk. So the current rank after three films, Iron Man, number one, Iron Man two, number two, The Incredible Hulk, number three. Thank you guys for listening to the Wrong Opinion MC Rewatch. As always, you can check out my writing at strfacts.com. That's S-T-A-R-T-E facts.com. We'll be back next week for Thor with my brother BJ Clark. And then only a couple more until we hit phase two. Keep checking out The Wrong Opinion for more content going forward. Peace out.